0: I'm Melissa White and welcome to The Spirit Room Podcast. This is a show to help inspire you to live your life to the fullest, but really to learn about those that guide us, our unseen helpers, guides, angels, loved ones in spirit that walk beside us in this life. I'll share with you personal experiences from my life as a professional medium and mentor, I'll also offer you insight into working with the spirit world and introduce you to guests that I find fascinating and that might lead you on your own journey to further discover your own soul's gifts. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirit Room Podcast. I'm Melissa White, and I'm here today with a very special guest. Her name is Joanne Danette Brooks, and she's really graciously agreed to come and just share some experiences with us. And I know that the things that she has to offer will be very meaningful and um, very helpful to those of you that are listening. So welcome Joanne. Oh thank you for having me Melissa. It's so nice to be here. Yeah it's a pleasure to have this time together and to chat and so I would say let's just kind of start from the beginning. Can you give us a little bit of background or information about how your spiritual journey began?
1: Okay so I guess was raised in the Anglican church. So I'm a recovering Anglican. I went to church every Sunday and then was married in the church, had the big traditional church wedding, 250 guests. And then after um, that, Steve and I moved here from Victoria, which is where uh, I spent most of my life growing up. We moved to Vancouver. And I would say that after that, I had a Long time fallow with virtually no spiritual life at all. It was perhaps a time of maybe rejecting the rigid approach of the church.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: I really struggled with the idea that there was only one God and you had to be a Christian in order to be saved. Mm -hmm. I simply could not fathom how a loving father, mother, God would forsake more than half of the human beings on planet Earth simply because they were not Christian. Mm -hmm. That simply intuitively just didn't sit right with me. And so it wasn't until I was about 40 years old and sitting in a fairly unhappy place in my life, just sort of, I guess, having a little bit of a pity party going, like, is this it? When a colleague of my husband's invited us to a presentation, sort of, like, I guess it would have been about personal development. Mm-hmm. So we both went along to that. And my husband's deal was, now, listen, Joe, you have to be my out. I do not want to do this seminar. So <laughs> you are going to say, absolutely not. So at the end of the presentation, I simply got up, walked to the back of the room, and signed us both up. It was so good. I couldn't say no. And so that was, the name of the seminar was PSI Basic through PSI Seminars out of California. So we did four levels of those seminars, and those were a total game changer that opened me up to my spirituality, again, fresh and new which was wonderful. It was really uh, goal-oriented. So very much on the human side of spirituality, like if it's up to me kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And that for sure was the first step of where I needed to go with my search. Mm-hmm. But after, okay, so timeline is a little difficult here, but I would say after 10 years of that, mm-hmm. I was tired of me. Yeah. And I was definitely... um looking for something else. So Steve actually was the rescue hero here. He signed us up for a meditation retreat with our really good friends, Dan Dor and Sofia Catha. And that mm-hmm. was in New Mexico at a place called The Bosque. And this was really lovely. It was quiet. It was introspective. It was healing. And it was really, truly, it was just exactly what I needed on my journey with reconnecting with my soul. My life had just been so busy with the doing and the achieving. And I just become completely disconnected with my higher self. So we attended that retreat twice. And it was so good. It was so gentle. And out of that, we developed so many good friendships. And I've become a part of a study group. And it's soul nurturing, soul healing. It's my life is less about perfection, less about doingness, more about beingness. Every day is just about joy. So that's that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at.
0: Wow. Well, I love what you're saying about so well, so many things that you just said that the first thing that strikes me is that I think we all come to that moment where we're thinking to ourselves, is this it? I think that's so relatable where we do have that that something, some catalyst or some, some point where we get to, and then this call to go a little more inward. And it sounds like that's what you did. And it's really amazing and beautiful to see that you and um, your husband were both a part of each other's a spiritual journey in that way like supporting each other in that way
1: absolutely we are so lucky I know that we are so lucky to be able to be doing it together not mm-hmm. many not many couples have that
0: no what I see a lot in students of mine and then also in clients is it's more common for one to be really wanting to progress and wanting to kind of search and discover and learn and a lot of the time, the the partner is kind of not maybe in that place just yet or even a bit opposed, a bit opposed to it. So it's, yeah, I think that's really, really special that you guys have been there for each other and kind of nudged each other along the way. And also with the meditation um, retreat was... Was a lot of it, like was some of it, was silence a part of that experience as well? Or what was that like, that meditation retreat? So silence was not a part of that meditation retreat. We
1: did, so it it really was just a beginner's how to learn how to meditate and explore the possibility of the higher self, connecting, connecting with the higher self, opening the third eye, really just being aware that, the universe is out there Mm -hmm. and then also not being closed down many people are coming into it from a from coming from religion and Mm -hmm. so then there is always that part how if we have been brought up with from a christian or a muslim or a judaic background Mm -hmm. any one of the major religions really were very structured and that God is the only one true way, Mm -hmm. then how do we embrace that and still come to spirituality? Because spirituality is different from religion as far as I'm concerned.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I can definitely resonate with that because I'd grown up with a Catholic faith, but it it wasn't that rigid. It wasn't as though it was something that we went to church every Sunday or anything like that, but certainly it was kind of ingrained in me, those certain beliefs. And there is quite a rigid um, belief system there. So that was something that I also had to kind of figure out for myself and figure out what kind of relationship do I have with God that's not based on um religion, but actually just based on my own personal experiences, my own personal beliefs. And I think sometimes that's a hard thing for people to step into. It's very unknown. And it can be a little it can be a little scary, a little bit daunting. But it's beautiful to have that sense that you can kind of figure out for yourself your own relationship. And we could say the creator, the universe, we don't have to say. God, it's not God for everyone, but it makes yeah, it makes sense that that is such a turning point. That's exactly right. That's
1: exactly right because even the major religions always say that God is within you. They just don't want you to really discover that God is within you because once you discover that, you don't
0: need the the big box church. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I remember one of the one of the turning points for me. I had my son, and then seven years later, I had my daughter. And when I had my daughter, my partner and I were not married at the time. And I had wanted to have my daughter baptized just because it's just what I had done. I'd been baptized, and my son had been baptized, and I wanted to have her baptized. And I remember talking to the priest about it, and it was a hard no. You know, like, that was not going to happen. Yep. (laughs) it was, and I knew, I guess I knew that that would be the answer, but I just, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand how they would turn it away. So I felt very disheartened by that and I felt really sad at the time. But actually, looking back, that was such a pivotal experience because I was, that was also at the very sort of beginning of a huge spiritual awakening. And so it was interesting that that kind of coincided with all of this stuff that kept, started happening to me. But when I look back, it, yeah, it's so interesting. Now I have such a different view on it and a different, it doesn't sadden me or hurt me at this point. But at that point, it really did. Like, I felt really disappointed at that time. So yeah, it's an interesting thing, definitely, to kind of work through.
1: That's right. I I uh, have a fairly similar story My firstborn was uh, baptized in the church that Steve and I got married in. And -hmm. then when I had my second son, just two years later, went to the same church, which is in Victoria, and the uh, priest there, it was a a hard no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I was, same as you, I was so disheartened and really quite upset. I thought, no, Mm -hmm. this little baby must be baptized, even though it was for the child. Yeah, and yep. I had all of those things going on in my mind. Why this? And how could they do this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I just found a church over here in Vancouver. Did what I had to do, and then <laughs> once he was baptized, only I guess I went until Shane was about two years old. But after that, we we did stop going. Mm-hmm. But now I look back on it and go, oh gosh, honestly, the hoops that I jumped through, and yeah. and for what.
0: It's, yeah, it's so interesting when we really look at it. And I think so much of it is what's kind of been ingrained in us. And you almost inherit those beliefs of that's right. That it's necessary. And I think for me, too, it also made me realize, like, the things that I love about or that I, I did love about the church were the ceremony of things I loved. A place where people it was dedicated for people to go and and pray like that I found so beautiful. I loved the feeling like I used to go with my grandpa when I was young, he would take me to church, just me and him, and when I would go and they would sing, I would be like almost crying like every time because it was just so to me I just felt I felt the angels I felt like. God it felt so beautiful to experience but then i i realized you know over time that there was so much that i could not um reconcile there was so much other stuff that just didn't didn't sit well with me and didn't feel right to me in my own soul yeah um, so yeah it's i think sometimes i forget how difficult that was because it just seems so far removed from where i am now but now that we're talking about it i realize yeah there's some people that Come to me, even even if they're not wanting to develop their abilities. But sometimes for a reading, even and it's a big step for them to just make the appointment because they're coming from either like another religious background. And sometimes it is a very vulnerable thing that they're doing by just even attempting to have a reading because they've been told it's evil or that they're going to go to hell if they consult with someone like me. So,
1: hundred percent.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it takes people a lot of courage, and then. They're not sure, okay, like they, they know what they've been told about it, but then it, it kind of makes people feel, it, I think, sometimes a bit apprehensive. So it is, yeah, it is a big deal. So I do have compassion for people that are sort of just trying to, trying to figure it out for themselves and figure out what they actually believe, what's right for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the, uh, everything that you just said there. I agree with you so much. I identify with so much of what you said. All the bit about loving the ceremony, being there in the beautiful, beautiful place of worship, the singing, mm-hmm. feeling the angels—I just felt so close to God, the Creator, the universe, spirit, mm-hmm. whatever we call it. It was yeah. magical for me. Yeah, and then I just I could not reconcile myself with the hypocritical side of it
0: yeah yeah it's one of those things too that i think once you sort of come to that point it is uncomfortable because yes you sort of have to make some kind of choice about where do i stand yes. and, and what is my line here in in the sand and so yeah that is a big a big deal for sure. But what I find too, is that, um, a lot of the things that I loved now it's basically, I have those things, but I basically kind of create them for myself. So the community aspect or to be in nature and, and go for a beautiful walk and just be with, um, God or be with spirit. Like that to me is like this, that same kind of feeling, that same kind of experience. So definitely, it's interesting how that changes over time. So tell us a little bit about your experience with that. I feel like it just everything happened in a flash. And then also the amazing healing that you've received, right? So
1: I guess I'll start at sort of the beginning of it, which was in 2013. I, I had been having like very, very heavy periods. Basically, how I described it is I was just bleeding to death. And I had said, okay, this is enough. I cannot take this any longer. So I went to my doctor and said, I need help. So I was referred to a gynecologist. We decided we would try a Mirena IUD. That was done. It actually made things worse. So I was booked for surgery. Can I
0: interrupt you just for a sec? You can. This is subtle. It's not crazy to me because I I totally... (laughs) Like, have these things all the time, but this is exactly what I've been going through personally, like, recently, and that was the suggestion from the gynecologist that I saw. Okay. And I kept, like, they kept booking it, and then I kept putting it off. Like, something would come up, or I had to work, or I just was, like, I kept canceling. I think I canceled it twice, and then I decided to do a bit of research because I have a fatty liver and I found some pretty disturbing things about like if you have liver issues and you should not be getting that IUD. And so I presented them to the like my concerns to the gynecologist, and he basically just shrugged it off and said it was fine. So I ended up not getting it. I just decided not to go through with it. But I just found that interesting that you're saying it made it worse. So I feel pretty, I feel like validation in that it was good that I decided not to do
1: it. Oh, I applaud you for doing the research. I wish I had done the same thing. That, I find that absolutely amazing.
0: Well, the only reason I, I think I did was just because I had that, when you just get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, like something about this isn't quite yes. right. And I do know that it's kind of complicated because I do have like type 2 diabetes and I've got a bunch of stuff going on with my health. So I'm pretty aware of like having to kind of check, but also I've been misdiagnosed in the past with something that actually I was close to death because of it. Oh my. So I think because of that, I'm paranoid. Right. <laughs> As you should yeah. be. But anyway, so continue. So you, you got that, the Mirena, and then it got worse. Yes.
1: Yeah. So after. I think after about six months, I, I said, that's it, we're we're done. So I was yeah. booked for surgery. So yeah. Dave the surgery arrives, I go into the hospital and it's going to be a laparoscopic procedure. So this is wonderful. I will be done and out of the hospital within three hours. It'll be a pain-free operation. And then I can go back to work after a week.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful.
1: So the i wake up in recovery in excruciating pain i cannot even begin to describe to you the amount of pain that i was in i had birthed two children i did not have a single amount of painkiller i mm-hmm. had to have episiotomy both times and i did yeah. not have any anesthesia for those episiotomies oh, dear and <laughs> right and <laughs> this pain that i was in in The recovery room was beyond that. And there was a nurse sitting beside me and she said to me, would you like some fentanyl? And I was like, what? I was very groggy from the anesthesia. And the first thing I thought was fentanyl. Oh, my God. This is the stuff that people down at Maine and Hastings are dying from. No, no, I don't want fentanyl. And then she's like, no, you really should have some fentanyl. You'll feel better. I'm like, yeah, okay. So she gave me a shot of fentanyl and it just put me to sleep, but it did take away the pain. Mm -hmm. About 20 minutes later, wake up again, still the pain. She says, more fentanyl. Yes, more fentanyl. Anyway, this went on for some time. And then she said, you should stay overnight. And I thought, no, there's something wrong here why would I stay overnight? I'm supposed to be able to go home. And she said, no, trust me, you want to stay overnight. Long story short, I did stay overnight. Uh, They hopped me up on oxycodone and morphine. I had a catheter. I I was just, it was the strangest thing. I could not figure out what was going on. My surgeon came to see me. She said that the operation had gone extremely well. The procedure was fine. I was fine. And so I was like, yeah, but why am I in so much pain? And she's like, yeah, I don't know about that. You You shouldn't be in any pain. Like, well, obviously I am. And I'm not a wimp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't explain anything. The next morning, they discharged me. I couldn't put on my own clothes. My husband had to dress me. I did walk out of the hospital. I don't know how I did that. I got home, but about six hours later, I was screaming in pain. He drove me back to the hospital. Uh, All I can say is that the ER doctor who saw me was extremely dismissive. Yeah, I felt like I was invisible. Mm -hmm. I felt like he was looking at me like I was a hysterical female. Oh, you've just had a hysterectomy. Oh, you must be hormonal. Yes. You know? I had
0: this experience when my appendix ruptured. It was a week after my son was born. He's 18 now, so it's been a long time. But I, same thing, would go to the ER repeatedly because I was in so much pain same thing like I can handle pain this was worse than childbirth what I was feeling and I could compare it to that because I literally just had this baby me like a week before and they same thing they gave me morphine and I would feel better I'd feel okay I'd go home but they were basically I feel like they just looked at me like I was because I just had a baby that my hormones were crazy And I was just being dramatic. Like there was nothing wrong with me. I was fine. Right. So totally, I still relate to that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's really
1: awful, I think, how, and I'll say people, I won't just say women, but I I feel it is more women-based, that we we are definitely treated as hysterical. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the same thing, repeated visits to the ER, finally uh, on the third time back, I I just said, listen, I'm not leaving until you guys do something. There is something very wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, they did do a CT scan, and that's when they did discover that my back was broken.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: So I don't know how one goes in for a hysterectomy and ends up with a broken back. But right. obviously, something happened while I was anesthetized. Mm-hmm. and But the, of course, now the hospital said well you must have done that after you were discharged home right right so because oh. yeah there's no lawsuit there's no ability to get compensation not that i would even look for compensation i'm not that kind of person what right. all that i wanted was help <laughs> mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. wanted to be fixed Anyway, I lay in um, a zero-gravity chair for six months, complete, really just unable to move. My husband would leave for work in the morning. He worked long, long hours. He would come home. He'd still find me in that zero-gravity chair. I mean, I was on morphine and and Oxy for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And then after about six months, I I did start to think, okay, well, what am I going to do? Is this my life? Something's got to happen. The hospital said, if you're going to get an MRI, because I believe that's what I needed to get spinal surgery, they said, well, it'll take a year, a year for the MRI. So I was like, okay, well, that, yeah, this is ridiculous. You've got to be kidding me. So we drove up to Kelowna, got our own MRI, which we paid for, got referrals to two different neurosurgeons. Mm-hmm. They, both of them said to me, um, we won't operate. I'm like, Oh, you're kidding me. Why? And they said, well, you could end up worse than you are now. Um, and I'm like, Oh, snap. Okay. Well, I guess that's not a good risk then. But I was devastated. I was like, Oh my gosh. So does this mean that I am going to um stay like this for the rest of my life? So then, of course, I'm like, okay, so I looked at chiropractic, I did acupuncture, I did prolotherapies, like when they take those great big needles and they drive them down into your muscles. There's no anesthetic at all. They just drive them into your muscles and try and force your muscles to relax. It was extreme therapy. is was unreal. I did spinal decompression. I did spinal nerve block injections, physiotherapy, reflexology. I did access bars with, with Jackie.
0: Right. Yes. Yes. Jackie, our mutual
1: friend. Our mutual friend. I read books on how to reprogram my brain so that my brain would not get the messages that i'm receiving about pain i i signed up for an app called the curable pain app same mm-hmm. thing right to try and reprogram my brain so that i wouldn't receive pain messages and then through all of this it was like oh my gosh i'm really exhausting myself in my search right like Ooh. i was just so tightly wrapped around the control i will find the cure. Mm -hmm. I have to find the cure. So I guess I'm about three years into the search at this point. And this is when Steve signed us up for that meditation course. Right. And so through uh, that meditation course, this is when I met Sophia Katha and Mm -hmm. she suggested to me that I do the Ho'oponopono forgiveness Mm -hmm. prayer.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And so I'm sure all of your listeners know about the Ho'oponopono prayer. If they They don't.
0: They may not. Yeah. Can you you explain it to them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is the Hawaiian Forgiveness Prayer. And Mm -hmm. this prayer is just four lines. And it goes like this. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And saying these lines will make it possible to find forgiveness in your heart, like either in my own heart, or if I'm doing this to find forgiveness against someone else who I feel may have wronged me. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing this every night while I was going to sleep. And then she suggested just go on YouTube and download it and put it on an eight-hour loop. So I would just play it all night while I was sleeping. And uh, then I had something sort of miraculous happen while I was sleeping. So it's was just playing through my earbuds over and over and over again. And I started having these dreams of past lives. And in these past lives, or that would keep reoccurring, it was a traumatic death that happened where my back was broken. Mm. And so after about four, four or five months of doing this, I was starting to feel so much more peaceful and like the, so with this back broken thing that I had, so obviously there's uh, chronic pain, but I had Mm -hmm. this electrical nerve pain that ran down the right side of my body down to the, Mm -hmm. from my hip, all the way down my right leg and back again. And it mm-hmm. was agonizing. It was 24 365. It would never leave me alone. It drove me to distraction. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. I, I just, I can't explain how awful it was. Just brutal. It drove me to the point where at times I I would actually think, can I handle this? Can I go on? Mm-hmm. But I'm a kind of a stubborn person. So even though I would have those moments where I'd go, I think I'm going to end this. I'd go, Mm -hmm. no, that's not me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I just can't do this. Mm -hmm. Plus, I would never do that to my kids. So then I was, after five years now, so now we're at five years after this, I was sitting with two girlfriends from the meditation group on the telephone, and we were sort of commiserating. I had people in my life who would tell me, "Joe, you're a smart girl. You can heal yourself. In fact... You should have healed yourself by now. I was like, oh my gosh, they're right. Of course they're right. I am smart. I'm really smart. I've done all the research. I've done all the modalities. Why haven't I healed myself? This is ridiculous. I know I can do this. And then I was like, "Ah, oh, but I'm just so tired. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I give up. I just give up. I can't go on. I surrender. And in that moment, there was a bolt of white lightning that just shot through the ceiling in my living room. It came down. It went through my back. It, like every single one of my vertebrae, went click, 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 click. I sat bolt upright. I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? There was it was almost like my living room disappeared. There was a green, shimmering, goldy green shimmer light surrounding me. Mm -hmm. And I I heard a a voice, you have been healed. And I was like, looking around, right? I was like, wait a second. (laughs) It's it's just me here, right? (laughs) Right. I'm like, what just happened? And the voice said, you have been healed. I'm like, okay. I was terrified. I was terrified to move because as I sat there, I was like, oh my gosh, the, the pain, that electrical nerve pain is gone. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, if, but if I move, the, the pain's going to come back. But then I'm like, okay, well, if I don't move, <laughs> <laughs> I can't sit here forever. So eventually I started to just sort of shimmy a little bit on the couch and I was like, okay, it feels pretty good. And eventually I got up and I started moving around the living room and eventually I was kind of dancing. Wow. And I was like, okay, so so now what? And the voice said, you've been healed. Okay, let me let me think about it for just a sec here because it, it actually did have a message for me. Okay. Oh, wouldn't you know it as soon as I want to actually think about what it really did say.
0: I know that feeling. It happens to me lots because in that moment, you're not even in your logical mind at all. So it's not as though it's always retained. Do no, you know I mean? it's
1: exactly it. It was like an out-of-body experience. You've of just said it.
0: Yeah. It was like you would probably felt like you were observing Yes. It- Happening, but then it's like, oh, wait a minute, I am here. What? Yeah, it's such a strange, but like absolutely amazing feeling.
1: It still feels like it wasn't me. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And it
1: also said, you're healed, stay on the path. If you get off the path or if you stray, your pain will return.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And then I was like, okay. Hold up here, my guy.
0: What's the path? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't leave me.
1: (laughs) Don't leave me hanging like this. Tell me what the path is. Right. I didn't get anything further than that. So I sat back down very quickly. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's not fair. You you can't just leave me like that. But what I kind of figured out was upon reflection, because I did just sit and reflect for a while, was... Because I had been thinking about it for a while, I've asked myself this for a long time, for decades. What's my purpose? What am I doing here? So I believe, actually, through all this work, that I am—I'm not here for a big, huge Martin Luther King purpose. Mm -hmm. I am a placeholder. I'm a light worker. I am just here to help shift the consciousness of the planet from. Darkness to light, so I'm a light worker. I'm just here to help.
0: Beautiful, I love that so much, and I think it's so it's such wisdom that you're imparting with that because so many people think that when they they ask about their purpose or they question about their purpose, I think they're expecting that it's meant to be something um, very specific or like only one thing. Or that it's meant to be some kind like they almost feel they have to come up with something that is so so enormous, and even though I think what you've said, being this light worker and helping to shift consciousness, that is enormous in itself, but I mean it's more like I think sometimes we're looking from the human physical world perspective of something that's so grand, like it's something huge. And it's really, I think, for so many people, if not everyone here, I mean, that's that's kind of what it comes down to. Like, can we find that part of ourselves that is connected to everything, all that there is? Like, can we come back to being connected to love? And any way that you choose to express that in your life, you could do any type of profession, any type of job, any type of anything. And if that's your intention and that's what you focus on, then you'll be fulfilling that purpose, I think. That is so
1: well said. That is exactly what it is. It is all, because love is the answer.
0: Mm -hmm. Love is Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely the answer, approaching every single day from love and with love, every single interaction with every person. I really do try my best to um, do that with love and from love and have compassion and empathy for everyone. I am not perfect and I am not successful in it all the time. I'm human and I'm on this uh, human journey just like everyone else is. And yet I really am trying and doing my best now to make a difference.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I also think too, it's so significant, the point in your story when you basically surrendered, when you gave up and said, I just, I can't, like, I don't know. And that I think is so powerful for people to hear because through all of, and I think we do have to sometimes go through so much to get to that point. Some of us, like you said, how you can be a bit stubborn. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm similar. So I may have to exhaust all kinds of different options and things and ways of trying it this way and trying it that way. Uh, trying to essentially, yes, like do it on my own or control some kind of outcome for myself. And then the minute I actually get so exhausted and tired and just think, I don't know, I, I don't know, can you just show me? Like, I'll just say to spirit, I do not know what to do next. Could you just show me? Like, could, can we just, can we do it together? Yeah. It's like literally when some kind of change occurs, something happens. And I mean, in your case, this is a phenomenal, miraculous healing that you experience. And in many ways, it almost feels like a huge download of information was just like brought into your awareness, into your consciousness in those moments that you experienced that the the light coming in and, and all of that. So it's life changing. Like I think you could never be the same after something like that.
1: Well, and that's actually interesting that you say that it's life changing. Because <clears throat> when I look at it now, so if I had the chance to go back and change that operation and Ooh. choose not to come out of it with a broken back, I would not change it. I would still go through all that excruciating pain because I don't want to give back all the everything that I have learned. I, I wouldn't change it, I would do it mm-hmm. again.
0: Yeah, I totally relate to that. I feel the same with my experience with the appendix that ruptured and the the emergency surgery and all of that stuff. Like what happened afterwards was also very painful and difficult, but it changed everything for me. I really started to see things very clearly. I became also something shifted where I became. I just felt like I was more on a mission than I had been before. So I sort of knew exactly. Maybe not how things were going to go, but I knew where, like what I wanted to do and that I was going to sort of dedicate myself to, to getting there, to making some changes that I needed to make in life. So I get that. It's like we, we can receive so many blessings through some of the most trying and difficult and painful experiences. Indeed, indeed. The facilitator who did the meditation course, Daniel
1: Doerr. He Mm -hmm. has a wonderful, wonderful saying that I use in my daily life all the time now. And that is, what is the gift or the lesson that we're going through? I'm always asking myself, what is the gift? Yeah. Because there's a gift in everything. It's just uh, so shifting my perspective to go Mm -hmm. instead of going, oh, man, this sucks, to going, Mm -hmm. okay, what is the gift? And that just in that little tiny change in perspective, it immediately allows me to pause and breathe and go, oh, yeah, okay, let's look at it from a different angle.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's more empowering that way, too, because we do have a choice of how we're going to approach any given circumstance and any given obstacle. And sometimes it's harder than others. I think that like... Sometimes, yes, we can almost immediately see, okay, there's a beauty in this or there is a blessing somewhere, a gift somewhere in this. But then other times it might take to get there longer to see it. But I do think that what I what Spirit shares with me often is that if we come into this human experience expecting that there's never going to be any or there shouldn't be any difficulty or there shouldn't be any challenges... Then we're going to be disappointed. Like oh yeah, because nobody, I think, gets out without some of that. And sometimes, sometimes it's intense. Sometimes we go through a season of life where it just seems like all there is is challenges. And then there's all there's also so much of this healing and this like I see people all the time transcending so many things just from connecting to them themselves, realizing that they are a soul. And then also connecting with others, sharing with others, and like discovering their own sort of relationship with spirit, relationship with God. So it's pretty I think it's pretty amazing and beautiful, but it's also painful and it can be challenging. But there's such a beauty in the human experience. There's something, there's a reason I think that we would choose it. There's a reason that we would that we would experience it. But I think sometimes, yeah, it just comes down to Your expectation and then also like of what this should be and then how you're going to manage how you're going to choose to look at things.
1: Exactly. And I would go one further and say if we can manage to remove our expectations or realize that we have expectations and try and take those expectations out Mm -hmm. of things, we would be so much happier and so much more joyful.
0: That's it. That's it. Because there's so much there's so much that I think we're judging all the time within ourselves, within life, within friendships, family members, spouses. There's so much that I think it does come down to that sort of expectation when really it's an experience. We're here to experience things. And so that's going to include all kinds of all kinds of different things, not just what we think it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. wow well that's amazing i mean i just feel like that everything that you've shared there that you've experienced is so beautifully illustrating that point so it's important i think for people listening to recognize like at that point you were probably like feeling like okay i i literally give up and and then that's where there was some kind of miracle really yep so that saying that goes don't give up just before the miracle that's right
1: There's always hope. I think that's probably the 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 biggest um, thing that I just wanted to. Well, and I think that's really kind of why I decided to write my story was just to say to people who are uh, dealing with chronic pain that's just ongoing and relentless. Don't give up. Just don't give up. Press on. Get your team around you, like do the modalities, do as much healing as you can, get your environment set around you, get your team members around you. And, but most importantly, like prepare yourself, do your emotional trauma healing and and then look for your, like re- rewrite your energetic story And and look, don't be afraid of delving into spiritual healing. That's where the answers lie, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, also I think too, don't be afraid that it's gonna get messy because it will, <laughs> you know, like inherently this will be the whole any kind of healing, like it has to get messy. Yeah. But but in that process though, there's there's all of these miracles that are woven into that messiness. So it's it's a hundred percent worth it. And I always go back to this, there's this huge debate within I don't know if it's only mediumship community, probably the spiritual community at large. We look at how much of our life is up to free will and how much of it is actually fated. There's all these these debates around that stuff. And I ask Spirit a lot or I talk to Spirit a lot about this idea because I'm so curious about it. And what it always comes down to and what I always sort of receive is this idea that we're given some framework like there's some things for sure that we're going to experience it's kind of already predetermined but that so much of it though is up to our own free will and how we choose to handle the things that are there for us and i think that we just basically as um humans we just need to take take responsibility like meet meet the universe halfway so do like you're saying do the things that you need to do but then also leave some room for the unimaginable. Leave some room for miracles that you couldn't even force to make happen if you tried. So there has to be some kind of leap of faith, I think, at some point. It's like, do what you can, and then also be open to something that you can't even explain.
1: My philosophy is exactly what you just said.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, It's just meeting the universe halfway. So it doesn't mean we just sit back and say, okay, like, I'm
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do me.
0: <laughs> Don't fix me, please. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting when you start taking those steps, then all of a sudden you start to see, oh, things start to open up. Things start to come together and it feels like it's magic. And I mean, in, in many ways it is magic, but it's also inspired action. So you're taking that inspired action and then you're going to get more and more guidance and more and more assistance as you go forward. And I think in faith and in trust, uh, trusting yourself, trusting trusting the universe, and then it's a beautiful ripple effect because now you shared your story and everyone that comes across it, whether they're reading it or they're listening today, they're gonna be touched by it and then that will that will affect them and then they might bring that out into their life and their world and affect someone else. So. It's a beautiful healing for everyone. That's exactly just it, isn't it? It's beautiful. Well, I so appreciate this conversation. I feel like it's just so lovely and easy to talk to you. And you have such a beautiful voice. I I just feel like as I listen, it's so soothing and it's so filled with love. You could feel the sincerity. So I I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us.
1: Oh, thank you, Melissa. It has been an absolutely delightful
0: few minutes with you. I've really, really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much. And I, I know that you might not necessarily want to promote yourself, but if people wanted to find you, is there some way that you would want to share or do you feel like you'd rather just keep that? No,
1: no, that's absolutely fine. If they do want to find me, I do have a website and it's uh, joannedemantbrooks.com. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. So we'll leave it there, but um, wishing you a beautiful rest of your day. And everyone listening, take good care and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. And to you too. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or feel free to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Instagram at Melissa White Medium, or on Facebook, psychic medium, Melissa White. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.